0: Welcome to the Fram Park Center for Faith and Life in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is our Out of the Park Podcast Series Special Edition Pathways Faith Living Out the Word. If you enjoy our programming and would like to see more of it, consider a donation at www.framparkcenter.org.
1: Welcome, Dr. Mike Hegeman.
0: Thank you. This is our foundational course focusing on the four pillars of Bible, faith, dialogue, and world. In this course, we are explaining how the Word of God inspires faith, what faith is, and how we live out the faith that God creates in us. So far in our discussion of faith, we've looked at faith as an action that involves the head, the heart, and the gut. We've seen how in the gospel stories, at the heart of faithful action is faithful Jesus. We explored the what of faith, that is the content of what faith is, at the core of our belief and trust. And we have seen ways that faith and salvation are linked, both of which are larger than us. Yet each requires, in part, a personal commitment and action to acknowledge and embrace what God gives us in Jesus Christ. When we look at life through the lens of faith, we see what remarkable things God does in and through us. But what does unfaith look like? Maybe we could learn a little something about what faith is by observing its opposite. In the Gospel of Mark, a man with a son who appears to be stricken with an illness like epilepsy begs Jesus to heal the boy. Jesus replies, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Now this is from the King James translation. And we could translate the Father's words as, Lord, I trust, please help my mistrust. Or, Lord, I have faith, help my unfaith. Most likely in our world, as in Jesus' own time, there was a whole lot more unfaith going on than faith. As the man in this story acknowledges, all Jesus asks of us is the faith of a mustard seed. But when we're desperate or too self-sufficient, perhaps a mustard seed of faith is too difficult to muster. Even around Jesus, who was faith, trust, and belief incarnate, unfaith played a dramatic role in God's unfolding revelation of what God was up to in the world, in Jesus. Again, from the Gospel of Mark, we hear that Jesus came to his own hometown, And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their own hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unfaith, at their disbelief, and their mistrust. Jesus was amazed and perplexed at their non-faith, their lack of trust, and their missing confidence. And because faith was absent, because the people were out of relation with God through their lacking confidence and compassion, deeds of power or miracles were in short supply that day. What part of them wasn't faithing? Wasn't faithing there in Jesus' presence? Perhaps what they knew logically didn't match up to what they'd heard about Jesus. Maybe their gut level reactions were not to trust that what Jesus was up to was possible. Maybe their hearts weren't open. Any one of us might experience unfaith in ourselves or, or others. When you encounter unfaith, what's your immediate reaction? Is unfaith the same as doubt? Or is it something bigger? Unfaith, most simply put, is a negation. It's a saying no, a no that blocks us from the good that God is doing even now. Unfaith seems to drive us away from an encounter with the very one who is faith itself. Doubt and unfaith are powerful presences in the world that keep us from experiencing the fullness of God. However, God is bigger than both doubt and unfaith. Thanks be to God that we have the testimony of the man who said, I have faith. Help me with my unfaith. He turns to Jesus when it is most crucial to do so and prays, help me. It's easy to judge those folks who stood around Jesus, who interacted with him and saw him in action, and yet did not step into the realm of faith. How could they miss what God was up to? I mean, Jesus was right there in the room, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one in being with the Father. Through him all things were made for human beings and for their salvation. He came down from heaven and was in the room with them. How could they miss it? How could they not believe The thing is, those folks back then were little different from us. We all have the capacity to be doubters and skeptics and to have our lives limited by unfaith. Any one of us could easily have looked at Jesus and said, I've known this guy since grade school. I know his family. Who does he think he is to come in here and be all high and mighty as if he were the Almighty? Let's see what this guy can actually do. We happen to live 2,000 years removed from the actual events of Jesus' life. We now have creedal statements that help us express what is possible to believe about who Jesus is, God from God, light from light, the one through whom all things were made. Those living in the story themselves could only observe what was going on before their eyes, and their unfaith can only be understood as a pretty natural human response. Disbelief or unfaith feels like an unplugging, a disconnecting, a stepping away from the relationship with the one who inspires faith. With disbelief, we take ourselves out of the room, we walk away, we disengage, we think we know what's going on, and we close our minds, our hearts, and our guts to the possibility that God is actually doing something in our midst. Even for Jesus, who was the living God in the flesh, his ministry seemed to be affected by others' lack of faith. Little healing happened on that day not as a punishment for unfaith, but it just seemed like uh, the life breath of the Spirit had been sucked from the room. Unfaith shows up quite a bit in the gospel stories. Even those closest to Jesus dealt with disbelief or lack of understanding, understanding what God was up to. Jesus seems repeatedly to turn to his own disciples when they seem to have missed the point that God would care for them no matter what, and he calls them out, O ye of little faith. What part of them wasn't faithing? Did they not believe intellectually that God was capable of providing for them, or were they missing the relational part of God's compassionate and providential love, or were their innards lacking conviction and fortitude? Probably all three. Unfaith is a serious matter. It is bigger than not believing in God or that Jesus is God here with us. Unfaith is bigger, I wager, than doubt. Unfaith shows up in the world as a force that pulls us all out of relationship with one another. Unfaith ultimately is at the core of that which distorts life. With unfaith, we are eternally at odds with the image of God in one another. Unfaith negates who we are and leaves us more than empty. Unfaith leaves us bereft. Unfaith leans ever closer to iniquity, lawlessness, and injustice. The vacuum created by unfaith sucks out joy, hope, love, compassion and godly creativity. Unfaith leaves us unresponsive to the world, especially responding through love. Luckily for us, neither our faith or unfaith are totally dependent on us. God intervenes to fill the vacuum created by unfaith and all its symptoms, desperation, brokenness, and disharmony. The father in scripture who prayed so desperately, Jesus help thou my unfaith, knew that being embraced by faith required God's assistance, that the God who inspires, engenders, and nourishes that little mustard seed of faith in us. Our job is to acknowledge both our doubts and the unfaith that is all around us and take faithful action opening up to the possibility of the faith, trust, and belief that God has in store for us, that the mustard seed will grow into a really big tree, even the tree of life. And when we see unfaith in others and in the world, we are to pray and to act on their behalf, saying, Lord, help thou all our unfaith." It's the help we need. We're keeping our conversation going around the topic of faith and today especially looking at unfaith. And to help us do that, we have our special guest, Mr. Bernard England from Mercury Studios to keep us going with our conversation. So Bernard, you've been listening in and we've been talking about faith and unfaith, especially today. Is that is that idea a new a new concept to you? I think it was new to me even as I was preparing this. The idea of unfaith being something bigger than doubt. Do you, have you ever thought that there could
1: be something bigger than doubt? Uh, no, no. And unfaith is a new concept to me entirely. I, obviously, we think of faith, we think of belief, but to add the prefix un to it, you just never, just never crossed my mind before. Um, doubt. Being a big thing has is, is kind of always been in the foreground of my mind, but never unfaith as a synonym for doubt.
0: Yeah, or even for me, I used to at first thought, that's ah, a synonym for, for doubt. But it took shape as I was preparing this. It began to take shape as something bigger, you know? And I think the reason why is a sense of that doubt always seems very personal. It's like, I, I have my doubts. Like the like the man in the story, first of all, he's like, I believe, help my unbelief, right? As if this is something personal to him. And unfaith begins to start to begins to sound like something bigger, you know, that's something that I really need help with, you know, not just me, but everybody. But let's let's start with doubt first and just see that side of the kind of the faith equation. Uh, what would you name for yourself might be a place where you've experienced doubt, maybe, you know, it's either once or even ongoing, a place of, in your own faith experience,
1: where has doubt taken shape? Well, doubt, doubt to me is such a mundane term. It's, it's almost how I start every day, right? You find the things that you doubt and try to, hopefully, as the day progresses, have confidence in that thing. Try and find a way to just seize that doubt and go forth with, you know, it confidence uh unfaith like you said does seem to me like a bigger overarching theme of a word when i think of doubt i just think of okay what are those ideas that i i don't understand what are those ideas that i haven't been prepared enough to tackle in my own faith i i think of doubt as something that may eventually grow out i could eventually grow out of like a like a a uh allergy or some sort or or a, a small disease where it's okay you have doubts in the beginning but as you grow in faith as you learn more as you understand more those doubts will subside unfaith to me sounds eerily like a choice um it sounds eerily like something that if you you know you can have faith but you're deciding not to because you can't see everything you can't understand everything doubt to me seems more as though okay well it'll it'll go away on its own at some point but there's no action in in doubt to me doubt to me seems like something that just comes about unfaith in my world seems like there's an action there's a choice there's something inside of me that says i don't want that thing right now i'm choosing to not have faith
0: yeah and that's i think you know i, I equate that in as the walking away that's the action the sense of i'm unplugging i'm i'm stepping out of the conversation I'm walking away from the encounter. Uh, this is, it's either too challenging for me or it's too life-changing. You know, the presence of what faith means is, is, is too life-changing and I don't want to, I don't want to change. And so the, some part of that big, that unfaith part is I'm, the action I take is moving away from the conversation, unplugging from or detaching from the relationship the encounter so you know those are those are big terms and I think you know if I just looked at my life and saying if can I see a, a you know a dividing line between doubt and unfaith and like you I might get up each morning and say you know I don't oh gosh I don't know how I'm gonna get from point A to point B this morning as far as or you know if I see deadlines out ahead of me three or four or five days or a week even and think I do not know how to get I'm gonna get through this and I, I and the doubt is where i've I've just kind of I'm checking out of God that promise that i I know God says, "I will be with you through it all. You're going to make it you know that that sense of and somehow it's just so easy for me to forget that and i had to I have to really take action in that sense is to step away from doubt and really go, okay, really, uh how long have I been alive how long how many conflicts have I seen overcome how many you know, j- you know, projects that I seem completed, and uh, I think the biggest one for me happens to come down to conflict, and I—that's a big one for too for me. Is like where am I going to apply faith most in my life? Maybe it's around uh, the fear I have about conflict. You know, because truly, I've seen myself grow, but my, the greatest growth—growth growth in my life—has been through c- confronting, being aware of, acknowledging conflict, and saying. And not just saying, okay, I'm going to use all of my human tools to overcome this conflict, but also at that point saying, God, you know, you know the way through this. You know the best way for both parties or many parties involved. And that's, that's kind of a doubt, I think. Right, and great. unfaith it looks a little bigger to me. This is just something I'm beginning to explore, is a sense of unfaith is bigger than just me personally. It's, a, it's like, almost like a force in the world that negates... That at least tries to negate the good that God
1: is and that God brings into this world. It sounds like there's a there's a foundation and a bit and a groundwork that builds for you with uh, with doubt. Uh, it's almost as if, like, okay, well, having trials or tribulations is the foundation and the groundwork, and that's what what brings about doubt. And then from there, you can make the choice to have faith. Almost like a quota that needs to be met. Okay, well, if I doubted five things today. Now I have to make the decision of, do I want to have faith that those five things will subside and I can just move forward even with the doubts? Um, can you have you know, those doubts and also have faith at the same thing? Do you need to have one, like a seesaw effect where one comes down and the other one rises? Can you do both at the same time, having doubt and have faith? Can Can you have faith or not have faith, but still have doubts? It's such a a weird back and forth when you kind of tackle all in your head with, well, what, are the, what am I going through today? What are my doubts today? Do I have faith in that, or you know, it, it's it's a lot. It's a lot right. to take back. You know, what I right think I, you know I've always hear about that that, that magical,
0: a, mystical person, person who who doesn't, doesn't have it. doubts. And you know, every once in a while, you you encounter them says, "Nope, I've never doubted. Uh, I've never doubted God is God and Jesus is the Son of God." Or I mean, I've never doubted. And I look at them thinking. Wow, may, how good for you, how great for you. But maybe I almost think, too, saying, if I don't have doubts, I don't go deeper. And I don't know if right. that's true or not. I can't, I can't, standing on the outside, I can't judge whether that person's faith is deep or not. But for me, it, my doubts take me into a deeper relationship because they show me how dependent I am. You know, the sense of turning, like this man in the story that says, I believe help me because I don't believe, you know, and, or help me because of my unfaith. You know, it's that sense of, I, it, it draws me deeper in my sense of I'm dependent, not solely on, on, on any action that I can do, but ultimately on what I understand is the grace of God. You know, I'm, it's fascinating to see the connection between like the seemingly miraculous, something that inspires. Fires faith just because it's so hard to believe, and yet it's right before your eyes. Do you have any anything in your life where you said, where there was like something miraculous that we could you describe maybe as miraculous, and said, I can't possibly having seen that, I can't doubt God.
1: Yes, Um, I'm fortunate enough to have six years between my brother and I, so I was old enough, and I remember his birth, and I remember. Financially, where my family was at the time of his birth, and I remember saying to my mother and father, "Well, how how is this going to happen? I don't have enough toys as it is. How how are we going to have more? Another person come in, and I don't I don't have the toys." So I remember at a young age, you know, like you said, laying that foundation of of, of doubt and con- and circumstances, it birthed this opportunity to jump or over the ledge or over the gap and and have faith. So the miracle for me. Has always been, you know. How can it happen? And just accepting that, a, for me, you don't really have anything you can do to to make certain things happen. And, and b, it is God. Um, I'm not sure if I have any one specific circumstance. I think there've been many circumstances over my life that I remember saying, "Oh, you know what? This is you've just got to sit back and, and let God have its day." Um, I don't know if there's. One or two specifically for me that I remember, I know my parents have explained many things during my birth and I had asthma, so I know they had many conversations with themselves Like, well, we need to just have faith. There's not, we don't know if this is going to happen the way we want it to. But in my time on this earth, I think every day I'm kind of faced with something that I have to look up and say, well, I don't know how this is going to happen, but at some point someone's going to have to intervene and I don't think it's going to be me, so it has to be God. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's weird to me. I don't know when you speak about that person that doesn't have any doubts. I I don't know if I believe them when they say that to me, I'd rather believe you haven't been faced with certain trials or tribulations yet that force you to have the doubt. I I think at some point in someone's life, they, they will have a certain trial or tribulation that's going to make them have doubts. And that's when your faith is really tested to me. If someone were to walk up and say, well, I've never had doubts about it, I'll either say, A, you're lying, or B, you just not yet. Your time hasn't come yet. I think to a certain degree, we're all fortunate to have problems. We're all fortunate to have doubts because without them, like you said, can you really move forward and jump the, the barrier, the gap of, of faith? And that may just be what, you know, doubt was created for. As we're, If you're walking a ledge and that ledge is, you know, doubt, there's a gap between, you know, this part of the block and that part of the block. And the only way to get there is to have faith. Faith gives you the wings to cross that divide. So I I do think, like you said, there's there's something to be said about having doubt and, and birthing faith. But to the person that doesn't have doubts, I, don't, I think would almost yield a certain perspective there, a, spurt, a perspective shift where maybe we're the fortunate ones, right? Maybe we're the ones that because of those trials and tribulations, we have this platform to look further, look higher, see you know, a bridge over that gap and actually take the wings and fly over. So it's, it's, it's a lot. And it's, it's, this is such a beautiful conversation because I've never had a chance to think about what is, why do I doubt? What, what is doubt for? Am I wrong for doubting? And I don't, I don't think we are. I think we're supposed to, whether or not we look at it in, in, at the time as, as a good thing. I think the doubt is perfect and, and beautiful. And without it, we can't look forward to faith
0: you know, what I find most meaningful in this story or what I'm discovering about the story about the father whose, whose, whose faith, what he needs and requires at that moment is not for himself, right? He, his, his, the challenge of faith for him at this moment is for somebody he loves dearly. Right. And that too, I think, is, one, is a big thing, is that sense of, you know, many of us maybe could go through life on our own and say, I, I don't know if I, you know, I don't think much about my faith or faith. I don't think faith, about faith at all. I don't, and and yet when the love of the father to son in this story that draws him deeper, you know, to say, Lord, help thou my unbelief, you know, uh, th- I think at the heart of that is something that's, that we we all, and maybe hopefully I pray that we all learn that in life that loving relationship can draw us into deeper faith because there are be challenges of, something we can't do for somebody else. You know, I was like, um, there's somebody in our life who needs something bigger than what we can offer. And that's what I hear in this story, is that there's love that undergirds both his faith and unfaith. You know, there's... Or the unfaith that seems to surround him. You know, he's trusting enough that love love is bigger, right? Or at least the love inspires him to seek after that which is bigger than himself to say, I can't do it. And that makes... It makes any of us very vulnerable, and maybe that's why, you know, I, I think about people who, who maybe go through life and don't have any sense of faith in anything beyond themselves. And to me, that, that feels like such a closed-off life, you know, just as far as even if somebody isn't ready yet to acknowledge saying there's a God of the universe, right, God who's God overall. but just say it feels like even going through life without faith of any kind, unfaith. Is, is, it, is it unplugging from the world itself? You know, the sense of, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. How would you, I mean, a sense of if you, have you encountered somebody who lives life completely, what I would say, in that place of unfaith?
1: In the sense of, of unfaith. Um, and you mean in terms of, have I encountered someone that just constantly doubts? Oh, and I think that's a little different. I mean, some—I don't know if that's
0: a—it's a—it's t- a tough question. Like, I mean, it's standing on the outside of somebody to see how they really live. But somebody, you know, I have friends who say, "Oh, I don't believe in God," or will come right out and say, "I'm an atheist." And yet, I see them. What what inspires them too is they think they they work for they work for the good of all. I mean, they're people. They're good and you know genuine people who are hardworking and want to and want good for their neighbors and others. And uh, I think I always long for them to say, there's something more. You know, there's something deeper. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, you know, it's, it's it, <clears throat> that, that's hard because I, I do think that, again, there's an action to that word unfaithing. And I think for the individuals that, you know, may not believe or choosing not to believe, the atheist, the pessimist, I, I truly believe that we're talking about individuals that pull a lot of tools out of their toolboxes, right, from birth to... Through their adolescence, through their adulthood, they have always found a way to find tools that can solve any problem. Any challenge or trial that they face, they found the tool for them that always gets them through. And they, unfortunately, haven't had a chance to get to a point where they've used all the hammers, all the screwdrivers, all the nails in their box, and there's nothing else in there. So the only other tool left is the precious gift that God gave, which is faith. And I truly believe that they just haven't assimilated to that concept. Well, What happens when you use everything in the toolbox? What happens when there's nothing left in the drawer, you have no more clothes on the hangers, and you have to stand out there naked? You have to stand out there while it's raining, it's pouring, it's lightning, and you've got nothing on your bare back. The only thing that can happen is to have faith thereafter. And I think for so many of us, we, we often don't, you know, look at it as, as again, like, like a precious gift, but when we're faced with those situations, I think that really is the humbling reality that God wants us to see. I think that's really where God wants us to be able to say, well, I've, I've trained you, I've taught you, and I've wanted you to somehow bring forth new life for yourself and for your family and those around you. But don't forget, at any point in time, I can pull the clo- the garments off your back and you still have to look up at me. And I, I think that's the beauty of where faith comes in, at least for, for me, because... Wow. I'm I'm definitely a person where you know, I'm, oh, I, I don't know it's it's not it's you know four thirty in the morning I've got a checklist or a to do list that takes me all the way to eleven o'clock I'll figure everything out but at a certain point this breaks that breaks and the third what are you gonna do and you can't do anything when you're standing out there naked you have to just bring the last tool a tool out of the toolbox which is faith uh, I think that being driven to that point
0: of saying that I've used all my tools in the toolbox and I don't have anything left can either lead somebody completely into despair. Right. Or, strangely enough, to acceptance. And I think, yeah, I think that that point too, that acceptance can be a door that opens, you know, to something bigger. And saying the sense of somebody moves towards complete and utter acceptance of what is, and can to discover peace in that, I think that's, a, for me, is maybe perhaps a stepping stone toward a greater a belief in something bigger. And, uh, you know, this image that keeps coming back is that sense of the mustard seed. You know, we've, I've used it over and over again in these talks. And, you know, maybe this idea of, we, we talk about, oh, if I just nurture my mustard seed and I'll grow my faith, uh, I think that can work for some people. But the image too, and that's just kind of coming to me is a sense of unfaith, or dealing with unfaith is like going out and planting that mustard seed in the driest desert and saying, I can't make this grow. The only thing can be is God, is God can make this grow. And that's that there's this beautiful imagery throughout the Bible that, especially in, the, in the Isaiah, which talks about streams of water flowing miraculously through the desert and what happens. And so that's, too, that sense of um, how do I nurture faith? Okay, I, there's a lot of things I can do to nurture and grow faith and grow stronger in loving relationship with God and those whom God has put in my life. But also, there's a sense of how do I address unfaith, and a big part of that is saying this leap of faith for me. You talked about that leap of faith is I'm going to plant a seed in the desert, and and see, you know, and see where what God will do.
1: That is much different than the old the rose that grew through the, uh, the concrete, you know, I, I think the mustard seed in the desert, that really is, is a beautiful sense of imagery we have there. Where we can say, you know what, once that happens for you in your life, what will you do?
0: So we keep exploring this uh, idea of faith, trust, and belief today through the lens of unfaith. And uh, is it a counterpart to faith, And especially we look at things, faith uh, definitely is is God's remedy to the larger uh, larger reality of unfaith in the world. And at the heart of it is loving Jesus, Uh, both from our side and from God's side. This this loving Jesus appears in the world, and I'm grateful for that. Thanks, Bernard, for your time. Check us out uh, in uh, continuing episodes here of the Out of the Park podcast in Fran Park Center Pathways. Thank you for joining the Fram Park Center for Faith and Life. Our mission is to serve the church and community through innovative, inclusive, and transformative education. Check out our website at www.framparkcenter.org for more information about upcoming events, programs, pilgrimages, and opportunities to get involved. If you enjoyed this program and would like to see more like it, please consider a donation. You can find more information of ways to support the Park Center on our website.